What up, Keith? What's cooking, Cheeto? How's it going, man? Hey, it's going good. It's going good. Another year, another podcast, man. Hey, 2020, looking bright and looking bright for the dogs, too. And uh, welcome back, Dog Nation. We have missed you guys. Um, and, you know, this is the first podcast of 2020. We got a lot of things to catch up on. Uh, with me, as always, Keegan Chanel. This is Cheeto Chibuye. And this is Dogs Off the Leash. <laughs> Working on a weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Niggas swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes, I'm too turned up. Virgil got a paddock on my wrist going nuts. Niggas caught me slipping once, okay, so what? Someone hit your block up, I tell you if it was us. Man, a house in Rosewood, this shit too plush. Say my thing. So, first podcast in 2020, but we are a few weeks removed from January 1st and our Sugar Bowl. Now, a lot has happened. Uh, LSU has now been crowned the champs of the college football world. Uh, but we'll get into all that in a little bit. Like I said, a lot of things to catch up on. But let's focus on uh, the Sugar Bowl this year. And mainly our victory over the University of Baylor. Um, I think the biggest thing maybe to take away from it just off the top is, you know, this is actually a pretty big change from last year when we had a huge letdown uh, against Texas uh, in, that, in that bowl game. And, you know, it just re- didn't really feel like, you know, that we wanted to be there. I think most people would tell you or guess that we were better, but the better team didn't win that day. This year, Kirby made it a point to only bring people that wanted to play in this game, that were going to be motivated to come out with a W, and that's what we got this year. Uh, your thoughts on the Sugar Bowl this year, Pete? Man, I really thought that we we came with a little bit more uh, want and desire, like you are talking about compared to last year. And really, the game was just exciting. You know, Baylor, although they might not be, you know, in the – they've, you know, they were like us in the fact that they could have been – if things had gone this way or that way, they could have been in the conversation for the playoff. Right. So, but, you know, by a technical tier, they're kind of where we were at, um, even though I'd say we have out-recruited them in a lot of ways. Uh, they do have, you know, some really – you know, some future NFL talent, some elite coaches, like you mentioned. You know, it was a worthy test, and we showed up, and it was actually a fun game to watch. I wasn't just pulling my hair out. And it was unique in the fact I found that because we had so many players out. I mean, how many did we have out? Like, do you know what the count was? I mean, it was pretty high, like from injuries, people going to the draft. Academics. Yeah, yeah we, had, we had a bunch of people out. Um, I know Andrew Thomas and both Isaiah Wilson didn't play at all. John Dre Swift ended up playing, but I think, you know, he had, what, maybe three plays, and uh, one of his biggest plays was the, the flea flicker play where, you know, he threw it back to Jake Fromm, and then Jake Fromm uh, turned it for, like, 50 yards to George Pickens. Um, but, yeah, like, years past, we actually had a few people sit out. So, you know, especially after the Texas game, it's like, I don't know, like, the matchup in itself was pretty intriguing, like Baylor being known more for their offense and our defense, but, like, would that show up on this particular day? Well, it just really was cool to see UJ really has an elite level of depth, you know, which is something that we did not really have in the Mark Rick days where we were coming up short to Alabama. And although I think there's more elite programs now 
and it's even more competitive, we have the depth to kind of go toe-to-toe with someone like Baylor or Texas or any of these other kind of uh, opponents that were where Georgia was pre-Kirby um, as far as, like, you know, if this is NCAA, let's say they're four-star programs, <laughs> you know, not yeah. five-star. And no, the, the program's definitely changed. I, I agree. And to have to have that many people out and to handle the game like we did, I thought was just a testament to the future and what we can look forward to. And it was cool for us because, you know, it's kind of like, it, you know, an NFL season, all of a sudden you realize you don't have a chance to make it to the playoffs. It's almost like you want to see the team tank. Well, I don't want to ever see Georgia tank, but it was cool to just get a refreshing look towards the future, you know, we're thinking about next year because we, you know, our goal for getting in the championship wasn't met, but to give the fans something positive to kind of enjoy and really dig in on. And I thought that was cool uh, because it was a good storyline of Georgia being kind of decimated as far as uh, all the personnel out and what that would mean as far as, you know, strategy for the coaches. We got to see, players like Samir and, like you said, Pickens, you know, really step up. And then, uh, for, you know, I was thinking really like everybody who was kind of like an impact player for this game will be back with the team next year. Uh, so, you know, outside of maybe Rodrigo and, you know, Jake uh, has an okay game. Um, but, you know, he's got a big future ahead of him too. So it's just cool. You know, it's very uh, 20. It was all right. It was like the pass was behind us. It was a, a Kuda Matata kind of game. <laughs> yeah, this this game was great in that it was easy for the media to kind of write the headline, the narrative, number five UGA, number seven Baylor. You know, at the time, uh, Matt Rule, the head coach of Baylor, um, you know, was probably the hottest coach, um, one of the hottest coaches, if not the hottest coaches, not only in college, but in the NFL. And, you know, it's been three weeks now. As we know, Matt Rule is now the head coach of the North Carolina or the Carolina Panthers, excuse me. And he also took with him the legendary Joe Brady to be his offensive coordinator. So um, he he was known a little bit more for his offense. Um, it didn't show that day. UJ's defense really stepped up. And then, like you said, not only that storyline, but we got to see a bit of what UGA 2020 and moving forward is going to look like. George Pickens set uh, a record with his, uh, I believe it was the 175 yards with the record, but he had 12 receptions um, and a touchdown. A lot of people were hyping this kid up being a five-star, and that's fine. I'm okay with the hype. But I think if you've watched a whole season on him now, I think it's pretty easy to say that this is the best wide receiver we've had since A.J. Green. And I do not say that lightly. This kid has a a special blend of athleticism, size, and he's one of those that makes these circus catches, uh, one hand in traffic. And then in the Baylor game, one of his catches, he went for a first down. I think it was like a, just a curl route. He just got like three dudes and picked up the first down. Like they couldn't – like that, that's when you start to know, like, okay, this kid's going to be special. In year one – Right. To count, had two interceptions in the game – um, he's coming back, made the decision to uh, forego the NFL, which is going to be huge since we're losing J.R. Reed. And then Zamir White, a lot of people know Zeus, um, you know, specifically because of his injury after dominating high school. Um, but he had a solid game. I think it was 
right around 90, 94 rushing yards and a touchdown. And I don't know if he's going to be the lead back, but I think he should definitely be um, the, the first candidate to lead the backfield next year. Um, so a lot to look forward to, and not to mention the 9 of 11 starters we have coming back. So I'm optimistic. Um, is there anything else from the bowl game specifically that you felt like is going to propel, propel us in a positive direction going into 2020? Uh, I mean, I think morale-wise, you know, it's always good to have a win at the end of your season. It's like when I'm shooting basketball, I was trying to make one before I walk out. That way I don't right. have that. Uh, Got to hit this last one. Uh, yeah, you know, so I think I think that's good. I think for the program and for the seniors, you know, to be able to go out on a W is kind of a, uh, a moral victory of sorts. I feel like just being able to uh, have certain players get that experience going into next year also really helps their morale because big time they they are seeing themselves as now the the guy you know so i think that is really huge for kind of motivating players to kind of step into those roles and help them envision it because now it's like okay it's kind of your spot to lose buddy <laughs> you know like you, you started in the spring game, it's kind of like years to lose in the fall kind of thing. And, and like you're saying, especially in the early levels uh, of football, whether it be high school and college, the younger guys, if you get the opportunity to play or practice, um, you know, with the quote-unquote starters, and you have the opportunity next year, that that last game is so huge for you, not only just to participate, but to understand what it takes to be a starter, starting caliber player, right? It, it gives you confidence. It gives you understanding of what it means to be in that moment and the pressure of it uh, and, you know, being able to play your best at that level. Um, and, and like I said, we have a lot of returning starters on defense, but it may not be the case on offense. Um, but with that being said, we did end the season 12-2. and two. Now, for <laughs> Georgia fans, it's probably one of the more disappointing 12-2 and two seasons that we had, not just because of the outcome, but because, you know, I think we're all still thinking back to that Rose Bowl season, that that amazing season that we had, how exciting it was from start to finish. This one, you know, with the offense being really lackluster, wasn't as exciting, but we still finished 12-2. and two. We did lose a terrible game at South Carolina at home, but we also lost in the SEC championship game to the eventual, eventual national champs. Um, it turned out to be we thought Clemson last year going 15-0 was like the best season ever. LSU just took that and said, I'll raise you one. I mean, that was an amazing season. And I know you've got a particular, you know, insight for the Clemson fans. What do you feel about what LSU just did? Well, I think that, you know, the game was close and uh, certain ways on paper, you know, we got a lot storylines with really good quarterbacks and elite players on either side of the ball. But at the end of the day, LSU did what they've done all season, and that's dominate their opponent. And I feel like Clemson, along with everyone else that has played LSU, found out the hard way that, you know, they really are, you know, they're having a historic season. And, you know, it's one of those things you just don't want to be in their way. I think it could have gone another way. I think Clemson, you know, they could have been more plays made on either side of the ball. But at the end of the day, uh, it was Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, Ed Orgeron, uh, you know, all the all the stars 
undeniable. Everyone, everyone was close. You know, they wanted it more, and I think they really <laughs> they had the leadership and just it was their year. You know, simply put. So undeniable, dude. Let me put it in a little bit of perspective for um, the people who you know maybe weren't believers uh, then, but are now, or maybe still wondering how great of a season this was. So LSU who scored 37 on us in the SEC championship game, went on to score 63 on Oklahoma, which is not super impressive. You know that that conference and that particular team is not really great at defense. But then also went on to put 42 on Clemson. So we, our defense, fared the best of their last three games. But on the other side, Oklahoma managed to score 28 on LSU, and Clemson scored 25 in the championship game, where we only scored 10 on them in the SEC championship game. So for those of us who were pushing and usually do push that defense wins championships, I still believe that to a degree. But an elite offense with a quarterback who's mobile at the same time, good, good luck to you. Good luck to you. I mean, LSU arguably had the most perfect season of all time. Clemson 15 and 0. LSU won the SEC championship. Joe Burrow was a Heisman. Their numbers were just outrageous. They were undefeated, and they won the national championship. And it was in New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I mean, that's just that's just that's. I mean, I've I've been praying for a season like that my my whole life. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> If we could have done something like that and won in Atlanta, you can't beat that. They'll have that forever, and props to them. But the season's over. They've they've lost Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. So, um, you know, we're looking forward. And I think Kirby has already made a bunch of changes to our program that are going to allow us to fix the few kinks that we have in our water hose right now so we can get this thing flowing full strength. Hey, I like that analogy. <laughs> Yeah, and, I think, and I'm glad that he's the type, you know, like Nick Saban did. He's willing to make those changes. And we'll talk about some of the coaching changes, the bunch of coaching changes that we've had. But life is good right now at UGA. I mean, homies caught me slipping. What's okay? So what? I mean, it, it's looking good right now. And I'm for and glad that Herbie's leading this ship, this ship right now. Yeah, me too, man. I think the game really was indicative of bright things to come this upcoming season and it was actually like fun to watch and just on a recreational level and that it was fun to watch because it looked like the players were having fun right right you, know? and you felt the energy in the game yeah exactly a couple of trick plays you know i think maybe even the coaches might have learned their lesson from last year and really kind of got the, the kids going you know got the guys on tilt so i think it was all in all just a good game and really like Got me pumped, man. You know, sometimes you watch some of these end-of-the-year games and you're just like, man, you know. Just like, <laughs> but it was cool. Like, I felt like it was like an early spring game, actually. Yeah. Actual opponents. So. To, take, to take the opportunity to, you know, end the right way, to get better as a football team, to let these young guys show what, you know, what we have waiting in the wings, and really just for, for Kirby to maintain. Because I think that's what happened a lot to Mark Rick when he started to fall off. You know, after the early success, success can be just as much as a detriment to you as, um, you know, as anything. Yeah. You know, if you get complacent, but Kirby has shown he's, he's not going to do that. So, 
um, I'm really pumped, and we got we got a lot more a lot more news, a lot more stuff to talk about the NFL draft, coaching changes, and recruiting that's happened since uh, January 1st. But um, we'll do that here in the next coming days. So Dog Nation, uh, appreciate you guys. Um, y'all remember this Sugar Bowl victory, 26-14 over Baylor, as another one for the books. And in 2020, we hope to have uh, a few more a few more victories. Heck yeah. That's right. Go dogs. Go dogs. Off the leash. Bitch, this is fame, not clout. I don't even know what that's about. Watch your mouth. Baby got an ego twice the size of the crib. I can never tell a shit. It is what it is. Said what I had to and did what I did. Never turn my back on FBG, God forbid. Virgil got the paddock on my wrist, doing front flips. Giving you my number, but don't hit me on no dumb shit. Working on the weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. Niggas swear they passed us, they doing too much. Haven't done my taxes.